You're very welcome along. It's the Guardian Programme here on Midwest Radio for this Saturday morning. Pori, good morning. Good to morning, you. dear. To good morning, listeners. Uh, we are, we're going to talk about bulbs today. We are, this is our penultimate programme, yes. our second last programme, so I thought we'd feature some bulbs because I suppose bulbs are uh, a real sign of spring. I think when they always come into the garden centre, it's a real sign of a promise to come. And uh, this is the time in October that we actually plant bulbs in the garden. Now, gardens are very wet at the moment. And, and quite difficult for planting. We are promised a couple of uh, dry days, Saturday, Sunday, and uh, sorry, I should say Sunday, Monday, and into Tuesday yeah. in particular, a bit of high pressure coming in. Um, so hopefully that will dry things up. But bulbs l- lend themselves to be planted up in pots and containers. And they're a great way, if you wanted to plant a few bulbs at this time of year, let them grow over the winter to plant then in the final position, say in February or March of next year. So I always think that's great to have some of them plant it up, left outside, you don't have to give them any sort of care for the winter, you leave, leave, simply leave them outside. They'll sprout and grow during the winter months and then in February you can decide exactly where you want to put that little bit of colour for the springtime because the bulbs will be inch or inch and a half above the soil at that time of year. You can simply slip them out of a pot and put them in under shrubs or trees or in your lawn or in any area in the garden, you know, to add that bit of splash of colour. Within a couple of weeks they're in flower. So I brought you in a kind of a collection. There's such a myriad of different varieties of bulbs and colours and shapes and sizes. Remember, they start flowering in December. Actually, there's some bulbs in flower at the moment. The cyclamen that we talked about last week. Are a bulb. They are. They're grown from a corm or a bulb. It's, it's, I suppose, botanically called a tuber, like a potato tuber. It's very flat corm. But they're available for planting now for flowering next autumn. So bulbs start to flower in the autumn. There's a, an autumn crocus called the colchicum that's in flower at the moment. Nerimes have just gone out of flower, um, which were planted in the spring. But we're planting bulbs now really for late winter and spring colour. So things like winter aconites which flower in December, snowdrops that flower in January, crocuses which come into flower in February and March mm. um, and right through then onto things like freesias, things like tulips, daffodils, dwarf narcissi, the cassima which is a lovely plant, alliums which will flower in June. So you can technically have bulbs flowering from Christmas right through until bloom the Bloom Festival in June. in June, up to the bank holiday in June. And they're so easy to grow because when you buy a bulb, I brought you in actually a large allium. So there's a, okay, a proper so, allium. So for the, like, for the uninitiated, it looks like a very large onion. Onion, it does, like a big garlic bulb. And uh, that plant is about, is at least four years old. Three, generally bulbs are sold when they're three or four years old. So the flower embryo has already formed in the centre of that plant. So in theory, all it needs is moisture and... Um, moisture and temperature, warm temperatures to let it grow. So you can simply pot it up into a pot now. You can plant them directly out into the garden soil if you want. Um, You know, that's no problem at all. I often think bulbs look fantastic planted with other plants. So things like winter flowering heathers are the perfect area to plant dwarf bulbs like snowdrops, winter aconites, crocuses, dwarf daffodils to give that extra splash of colour in the springtime. These alliums are lovely planted through hostas so we had a question last oh, week. Somebody wow, was looking. Yes, I can so you can imagine that yeah. because the hosta will produce its foliage and its flowers during the summer, and then the allium comes right through that foliage, and you get the big tennis ball 
head of flower in June and early July from the allium. And as the allium is dying back, the hosta then hides the foliage of the allium. So it's a great uh, mixture of two different plants planted together. We call it companion planting. So bulbs can be used to underplant other plants. So if you've got ground covering shrubs in the garden, cotoneaster or Ceanotus repens or winter flowering heathers, then planting bulbs underneath those is a great way to add colour. And then as the bulbs are dying back in the springtime, the cotoneaster or the Ceanotus is covering them over. And they both work brilliantly together and they come into flower every year. And that's the beauty about bulbs. They do multiply. So if you plant one daffodil, you'll have two next year and three and then so on. They they produce their little offsets. All bulbs produce these offsets and they, they multiply by producing. So if you plant seven or eight in a cluster, then that will multiply over a number of years. And in time, if you wish, you can dig them up, separate them and transplant them elsewhere. And if you were to dig a daffodil bulb up today, Mm. it would be a mass of roots. Because so you, they've because, multiplied over the years. Well, and they're initiating roots. They're actually physically growing now at this time of year. So if you were literally to go out where daffodils flowered last year and dug a few of them up, mm. um, even though there's no visible signs of growth, the, the bulbs themselves, the roots, will have a huge amount. of. They'll have up to six inches of growth already made now as we come into October. So they're actually beginning to grow. Right. They're, as, they're starting to initiate buds. Um, somebody said to me recent, recently, only last week, that they've seen the, the tips of the daffodils coming through their soil already in October. So things have been so mild. Um, But just going through a few that I picked out that I thought were particularly nice. We're always asked about black tulips or black... Isn't that quite... Oh, they're stunning. So this is is a lovely variety. It's a particularly nice variety if you want something for cutting because it grows 18 inches in in height. It's a variety called Peter Shirer. And it's, um, it's the darkest of all the, the, the tulips. It's the blackest of all the tulips. Queen of Night, I suppose, held this position for many years. But Paul Shirer is a variety that is actually darker. When it begins to open, the flower is egg-shaped. It's really tight. And then it opens to a, quite a loose... Stunning. Yeah, black. really, really nice yeah. variety. And that could be simply mixed with, with white tulips as a mixture it can mix with other bulbs as well but it makes a beautiful cut flower and a very very unusual colour and I, I thought that was particularly nice this is one that's probably not as well known but it's particularly good for naturalising if you wanted to put some bulbs in a lawn area or under a woodland area particularly bees that are good for uh, or, or bulbs that are good for bees and bringing bees into the garden this is the camassia which again flowers in late spring early summer so it, it's coming into flower kind of the uh, towards the end of spring as we come into summer. And it's a really easy plant to grow. Again, you can put it in pots of containers now at this time of year or plant it dro- out directly out into the garden soil. The um, muscari, these are grape hyacinths. So again, very nice flower. Something different again. Yeah, these are all new for me, I have yeah. to say. So I, I brought bulbs that were tulip, just a little bit different and different colours and different types. So muscari. muscari. And it, this one is called Siberian Tiger and it's really, it's white. It's, it's so, pure yeah, white gorgeous. and it comes in a blue shade as well. And again, it's flowering kind of mid-spring, that time of year. Brilliant in pots and containers. It's relatively low growing. It grows about, you know, less than a foot, about eight inches, eight or nine inches in height and gives a lovely shade of colour and very, very simple to grow. And again, it's a bulb that will multiply. So, so in these instances here are, are the, so just the camassia and yeah. the mascari are they individual flowers from each bulb or do they does the bulb produce a number of flowers um, you get a, cl- a cluster of flowers from each bulb and even with the camassia it produces quite a lot you can see it's nearly a spike of flowers mm. so it starts at the base and flowers all the way up so it stays in flower for about four to six weeks 
when it's in bloom and forms that lovely clump. It's totally hardy out of hardy out of doors and and gives stunning colour. Um, and there are lots of others then like freesias, which are lovely for scent if you want uh, yes. scent. So if you want something for cutting and bring into the home with a little bit of scent. They're the double flowering uh, uh, freesias. I thought this tulip was particularly nice. It's one called Whispering Dream and it's a variety that has a two-toned flower. So you've got the vivid pink at the very top. Again, it's egg-shaped or it's it's a kind of a closed-in uh, tulip. Mm. Again, ideal for cutting because it'll grow to 16 inches in height, so it produces the long stem. But lovely for vases. It can be just planted outside for a bit of colour, but it's a two-tone variety offering you two different colours, so cream and pink in the one flower. Another lovely variety called Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. Which is a vivid red. Gorgeous Which red, is nice yeah. and easy to remember. Um, Kendron is a, a fragrant. It's a scented narcissi. It's in the daffodil family. It's a multi-headed variety, so this one again will produce many flowers from the one bulb and again lovely for cutting as well it's just over a foot in height lovely in pots as well and it's scented there's a particularly nice scent so, of that so a good option if you're looking for a good show of, of good show of colour the flowers mm. would be a little bit smaller yeah. um, but you get but, but they're multi the exactly you'll have the volumes that's that's um, Kendron it's a very, particularly good variety for pots containers they're just a small sample Deirdre there are loads of different varieties I suppose the key point is this is the time to start planting bulbs yeah. if you're not ready to put them directly into the garden soil put them into pots and and grow them I think I mentioned last week that Monty Don did a lovely pot last not 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 yesterday the previous week mm-hmm. um where he he planted bulbs at different layers and you can do this you can you don't have to use all daffodils you can use a different variety of bulbs and, and literally plant them one on top of the other so you can start with your daffodils or tulips in the base a little bit of soil or compost over that another layer maybe of the skillias or the camassias on top of that snowdrops crocuses building the smaller bulbs right up to the top so you can have up to four layers of bulbs sitting on top of one another in a pot and they're going to come up at then at different times they'll flower at different times yeah. so your snowdrops will be flowering in January crocuses in February your your daffodils are next so they'll be coming to flower in so varieties like February gold or jetfire could be used because they're nice and short or that Kendron uh, which comes into flower in March and April you could then have the tulips coming in in April as well and then things like the alliums and the camassias flowering that little bit later as we come into May and, and June sort of period so bulbs are also great for children because again they're tactile they're big, they're easy to grow and you're guaranteed they're going to... If you get, And the thing to do is when you're looking for bulbs in the garden centres, yeah. buy bulbs that are big. Ideally pl- buy them loose. They're generally available loose in garden centres and buy a good big fat bulb because the bigger the bulb, the heavier the bulb, you're guaranteed the flower. If it's a younger bulb, a year old or two year old, it may not flower in its first year. So try to get the bulbs reasonably large, get a good quality bulb when you're planting and if you have that, then... Even if you plant them upside down, they'll, they'll grow. They'll, they'll, they'll come grow. right themselves. Yeah. And they're lovely naturalised in lawns areas. So there's a big trend at the moment going back to kind of leaving the lawn, let the daisies and the dandelions flower. Why not plant it with some bulbs as well? Because the bulbs are flowering so early, by the time they're dying back, the crocuses are dying back in late March, early April, it's you're coming round to the time for mowing the lawn. Don't plant the later flowering varieties because obviously you need to keep the lawn reasonably uh, neat. Uh, but certainly that trend of people like that idea of having w- kind of semi-wild flowers and bulbs mixed together in a lawn area, it looks really well. And many of the bulbs are bee-friendly and that's important as well, yeah. particularly the single flower varieties like crocuses, snowdrops are absolutely brilliant. The camassia is brilliant for bees as well, um, as are the alliums and the uh, muscari, the grape hyacinths, they're all super for 
for for um for the bees for the bees yeah, yeah. and bring them in pots as well you can even leave them in pots so if you're doing up a window box you don't necessarily have to transplant them no out. if you're doing a window box for a bit of winter color then plant the base with with a, a tulip called red riding hood or Cape Cod. They're two dwarf varieties. They only grow eight inches in height. Both have brilliant flowers. Uh, Cape Cod is a two-tone variety with red and yellow. Red Riding Hood is a scarlet red with variegated foliage. And then overplant them with winter pansies, winter heathers, violas, primulas, cyclamen. So they're giving you colour now and the bulbs then will come in the springtime. And there's nothing like a splash of bulbs to signal the start of spring. Okay, Because we're always asked in springtime on the show. Yes, and at that point it's too late. Then. Yeah, it's too late. Yeah. And and people tend to leave the bulbs, particularly when we get wet weather, they might leave them in the cupboard. My advice is to get them pot planted up, get yeah. them rooted. Once you pot them up, you simply just leave them outside. There's no need to put any cover over them. You leave them out to the elements. The rain can get at them. The frost can get at them. If it snows, it doesn't matter. Mm. Just leave them out somewhere. They're not going to be knocked about with the wind or people are going to kick them around type of thing. Put them in a sheltered outdoor area where they get the frost and the, the rain. Now, just in relation to longevity of bulbs, because I think from memory, tulips last for a couple of years, but other bulbs last for longer. Is that yeah, the case? Yeah, so or? tulips are, are generally short-lived. So if you get two to three years out of the tulip bulbs, that's generally as, you know, they tend to die off after that. Hyacinths, which are the scented hyacinths that we plant indoors, they tend to be short-lived as well. Again, you get a couple of years out of them. But for most of the other bulbs, like snowdrops, lives live for hundreds of years. The uh, winter aconites will live for a long time. Crocuses will generally last for quite a long period as well. Daftyls and narcissi, you'll have them for years. The alliums that I mentioned, again, you'll have them for years. Freesias would be relatively short-lived as well. But most bulbs come back year yeah, after yeah. year after year and generally the complaints we get is that the clumps get too big how do I how do I divide them and all that kind of thing yeah. so and we can worry about that in the springtime but look at it this is the time of year for planting bulbs and there's quite a range of bulbs that are suitable for under trees in darker areas more shaded areas there's a whole collection that'll be marked on the packs those that are suitable for for shade but again if you've got a woodland area or some trees and you want to add a little bit of colour the bluebells are fantastic there's a right wide range of daftas and narcissi that will grow in them as well snowdrops love the shade um, so there's the those mascari would do quite well as well um, so there's quite a good collection of bulbs that would suit. Okay. Shaded areas, sunny areas, short bulbs for pots and containers, short bulbs for under heathers, and then taller bulbs if you want to do some cutting. A little bit spoilt for choice, I yeah, think. Yeah, there's quite a range. And th- remember that they are so easy to grow and a fun thing to do. If you're looking for do- doing something over Halloween with the children, get them to plant a couple of bulbs. Excellent. Remember the scented hyacinths too at Christmas. You know, they, they add a lot of scent to the home. Yeah, and they're and a lovely they, gift. They are, and they could be potted now with that intention of maybe giving them as a gift for Christmas. So they're simply potted up now, three bulbs in a pot. You leave the snouts of the bulb peeping through. You leave them outside for about four to five weeks. And then after that period, they'll have initiated their roots. You'll see the roots coming out on the bottom of the pots. You bring them indoors into a kind of a a windowsill, a cool windowsill indoor. That mimics spring and the bulb comes into flower. And so you can fool bulbs into thinking it's actually springtime if you give them that chill period outside for about four or five weeks. Now, we mentioned uh, some of those flowers and bulbs that are uh, bee friendly. And yeah. I suppose on the other side of being bee friendly is uh, the Westport Honeybee Festival, Festival which yeah. is on today. It kicks off today in Skullpodrick in, in Westport. And they've got a, a great lineup of, of speakers, dare I say. So it's kicking <laughs> off at 11. Including. <laughs> 
So it kicks off at 11.30 and um, I suppose what I like about it is you're going to, if people visit it, so it's not just for beekeepers, this is open to the general public, if people have a general interest in, in, in flora and fauna and what they can do in their own garden in attracting pollinators into the um, garden, there's some great speakers uh, for the full day. So it kicks off at 11.30 and it runs right through until 4 o'clock. There's a treasure hunt thrown in there for the children at uh, half three. Um, so that so, so that the treasure hunt starts earlier but the competition is judged at, at, at 3.30 and I'll be speaking at 1.30 and my talk is really going to be um, it's going to be about bees and, and the type of plants that you can plant in your own garden to encourage bees I'm going to be talking about Irish honey as well and the benefits of Irish honey and we're also going to kind of ha- I'm going to have a bit of a rant as well about climate change You're and not. some of the things that we can do Boris Johnson features again, as I mentioned before, I have a little piece on, on Boris. Um, so it's kind of going to be a, a mixture of um, some of the things I've been kind of picking up myself between the various talks I've given over the last six or eight weeks on Climate Fest and with some of the companies I've been with and um, the kind of movement I'm seeing and the interest that people have in doing something to uh, participate in climate change, apart from protesting. <laughs> <laughs> We're good at the protesting part, but well, very, very poor on the goes, action part. It goes hand in hand. So, um, so I'll be talking about that and, and really just kind of going through some of the uh, brilliant plants that I've seen at bloom this year or that you can plant in your own garden. Some of the bulbs I mentioned will feature as well, but lots of other interesting plants that you can plant. And I'll be showing people how to propagate some of their own plants from cuttings and also the type of plants that you can sow from seed. So there are lots of ways of getting plants into your garden that don't cost a fortune okay. and that everybody can do. So that kicks off today um, uh, in Skullpodrick in Westport. Um, from 11.30 onwards, there's a number of speakers right through the day. And even if you just pop in for an hour or two yeah. and sit in on a workshop and then, you know, you get something from everybody, from all the speakers. Excellent. Well, the best of luck to everybody. And I see... I'll fill uh, you in next week. Yes, and, and looking how forward, it, yeah. forward to hearing about that. How it goes. Um, and I see one or two people wishing all involved uh, with that uh, honeybee festival. Uh, all the very best today. Straight into questions. Question first of all, what a Scots pine. Okay. Picture sent in to us on WhatsApp. Uh, is it possible to move this Scots pine? It's about 12 years old. Yeah it's possible to move Scots pine is one of our native trees and, and looking at there in the picture it's not actually too tall it's only about uh, six or seven feet in height quite a bushy plant so I'd say it was cut back at some stage but yes this is a good time to move conifers in general so what you would do with a sharp spade is cut uh, right around the circumference of the root slicing the roots so come out from the tree about 18 inches and lift that entire root ball and replant it back at the same level. And this time of year, now it's, it's a bit wet at the moment, but once the soil dries out a little bit, maybe November, uh, just lift it and transplant it and it should transplant no problem whatsoever. Now, can we grow apple trees in pots or have they to be planted in the garden? No, you can do both. You can plant them in the soil or you can plant them in uh, pots or containers. My advice really is to go for the dwarf varieties for pots and containers. So apples are grafted onto rootstocks that keeps them uh, nice and compact and neat. So go for the dwarf ones on a dwarfing rootstock. You'll get them in your local garden centre, lots of different varieties. If it's a restricted space, maybe go for the family apple tree because that's two different varieties grafted onto the one tree. And generally you need at least two to three varieties to cross-pollinate to get the fruit. But they work really well in pots and containers. And you can underplant that pot with flowers if you wish or some bulbs. Or you could plant with strawberries around the base of the apple tree. Oh yeah, that that'd be nice. Good. That sounds good. Now, Sandra's wondering when is the best time to plant lily bulbs? 
Well, the, you can plant them at this time of year if you want. There are different types of lily. You've got the calla lily, which is the, the big arum lily with the white or purple or pink or yellow flowers, depending on the variety. Uh, but you've also got the oriental lilies the um, that give us the beautiful scent, like oh, stargazer lily or tiger lilies. All of those. Of and, and they're available at this time of year, so you can plant them now, or you can plant them in springtime as well. Now, they do need a free-draining soil, particularly the oriental lilies. They're very fleshy, um, and if they're in heavy, wet soil, over the winter sometimes they can rot so my advice is generally you plant them twice the depth so if they're three inches in size the bulb plant them six inches deep put a layer of sand into the bottom of the planting hole okay. so maybe an inch or two of sand and sit the bulbs on that five or six bulbs and then fill it up with um, a gritty compost over the top of the bulb or indeed you can plant them simply into pots keep them outside for the winter and then as they sprout in the springtime plant them into the area that you want them to flower lilies need a bright sunny location and they're brilliant for cutting as a cut flower yeah they are fab I, yeah. I, I, I do like lilies yeah and easy easy relatively easy to grow now uh, wonder could pork suggest something other than pack which I can't get locally it's a gravel area that's getting bare and very hard to keep clean so okay. well, pack pa- is for the moss pack is for the moss and particularly the nostoc I think we were talking mm. about it last week that jelly like substance so it'll kill any algae or, or moss or nostoc anything like that pack is, is available online so you'll be able to get it online if you want to deliver to the door but um, if you cannot get it locally then you could use one of the other moss uh, treatment. So Moscow did one, Hygieia did one, um, I think called Moscow, which w- should be similar. Um, the the pack is quite good because it's got a higher percentage of active ingredient in it. So it just, it tends just to be, more effective. it's stronger and just be, is more effective. But uh, you will get other moss products. Obviously you want something that's suitable for pathways and driveways. So Moscow, um, and, and from memory, I think Hygieia make that, and that should be available locally as well. Now, is there such a thing as a winter begonia and yes or no 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 unfortunately so no, there's no point unfortunately. going through the rest of that so um, well I, I, I'll, I'll just rephrase they're looking for, them. Yeah, they're looking for ideas I suppose um, this person was looking at the usual cyclam and heathers etc to redo window boxes okay. and containers for autumn winters yep. saw some lovely begonias oh, uh, but fab. never see them available for winter uh, would there be a big good bet um, any other suggestions um, and that's the beauty of begonias you lives see. in a windy enough area so winter pansies suffer a bit okay so, so um, for winter colour and begonias are still in flower and they'll stay they in are, bloom. Yes. They'll stay in bloom until we get the frost, but unfortunately they're frost sensitive and uh, you need to be lifting your begonia bulbs in the next couple of weeks and bringing them indoors. Um, so so, so they won't flower for the winter period. Uh, having said that, for winter colour, things like winter heathers are really good. They'll tolerate a lot of wind and they come in a whole range of different colours, whites, pinks, purples, and they're lovely underplanted with bulbs. Winter violas do really well as well. They're quite sturdy. The primroses are in flower at the moment. The winter cyclamen are quite hardy as well. So go for those kind of low, uh, stronger um, flowering plants for winter colour that are frost hardy. Uh, so for me, winter violas, the primroses are lovely at the moment, the cyclamen, winter heathers are tough as old boots. And even you can get some things like variegated ivies or small euonymus for foliage colour. Galteria is another lovely plant in for pots and containers that has flowers and berries, mm. right, bright red berries that the birds dislike. 
Uh, so they're not going to be uh, picking them off, but it's quite a tough little plant, Galteria. You'll see that in your local garden centre as well. Pop into your local garden centre. They'll advise you on the type of plants to use for winter. Now, my roses are finally finished flowering and I plan to cut them back this weekend. How far cut? Uh, how far to cut back? Yeah. And are they easy to slip for new roses? Yeah, a good time of year for taking cuttings on, of all plants. So roses will lend themselves to propagation. Again, pencil, lend pencil, take this, a little bit of rooting powder. You can root them directly out of doors if you want um, in a small trench or in pots out of doors and just leave them there to the springtime. Um, so I would prune the roses back to within kind of a foot of soil level at this time of year. Once they've gone out of flower and the weather hasn't really suited them this autumn, it's been quite wet yes. and quite windy. Mm. And uh, so, you know, roses typically will be still in flower for another couple of weeks. So tidy them up now, take some slips off them and uh, put them to bed for winter, I suppose, okay. and take some cuttings. Yeah, and they will root for you over the winter period. Now, I, have I still time to sow a soiled area with the green manure, as you mentioned yeah. last month? And what weather conditions do they need? Well, dry, <laughs> ideally, it, it needs to be dry because you need to rake the soil. Um, so basically, the green manure is just a, it's a simple seed. You buy a packet and, you, and again, just chuck it onto the ground. So you want to be able to rake the soil lightly, put on the, the seed, rake it in and then leave it alone. It'll take three or four weeks for it to germinate. It'll provide a cover of foliage then for the winter, which su- suppress the weeds and then you dig it back into the soil in early spring to add nutrition to the soil. So it's a perfect uh, kind of cover crop to for particularly kind of rough areas in the garden or maybe a, a raised bed that you don't plant up for, for, for with vegetables for winter if you just want to add some manure. Green manure is a great way to do that. And so you, still, you can still sow it for the next two to three weeks, no problem. It germinates normally around 10 degrees, 12 degrees and we're, we're getting that all day long at the moment. Excellent. Now we've got white beam and cherry blossom. Can I cut it back to 12 feet? They're about 30 foot at the moment. I want what fertiliser to kill moss and to green it up without a lot of growth? For the lawn, I guess I that's for the lawn. Well, yeah. So if you're looking to kind of kill the moss, put on the zero now. Would my be my advice, and then put on the osmo just to give it a nice green colour, which won't force growth. But the zero should go on now because moss is beginning to to uh, peep through. Um, in terms of the white beam and the cherry, cherry should be pruned after flowering. So leave it alone until the end of April, early May, whenever the blossoms are just beginning to go. You can certainly cut it back to within uh, twelve or fifteen feet, uh, as the listener wants mm-hmm. to do, and maybe thin out the head of the tree as well so if there's a lot of branches there selectively take out some of the weaker ones and shorten it all back to 12 or 15 feet it'll all reshoot again um, but cherries need to be pruned after flowering that's important don't cut them at this time of year because they bleed over the winter period okay. the white beam is the sor- in the sorbus family the mountain ash family um, it should have some berries on it actually at the moment it should be still uh, offering a bit of colour so that can be left till spring if you wish or it can be pruned at this time of year so the white beam there's no problem once the leaves drop in November shorten it back to 12 or 15 feet and again selectively take out some of the weaker branches and it will all reshoot again for you. Now, I need an evergreen hedge to grow approximately five to six feet tall for 12 metres. What can I plant that might be flower uh, that might flower and be good for wildlife, especially bees? Okay, so there's a, there's a, a selection you can think of. So um, something maybe a bit different would be Berberus darwinii, which makes a lovely, I think it makes a lovely hedge. It's evergreen foliage. It's got orange flowers in springtime mm-hmm. and dark grape-like berries in the winter. So it's got these really, really dark berries. It's named after 
Charles Darwin, of course. Okay. Um, so Berber's Darwinii, a really nice variety. Um, evergreen makes a solid hedge and you've got the, the flowers for the bees in the spring and you've got the berries in for the birds in the winter. Pyracantha, or the firethorn, makes a lovely hedge as well. Again, it's flowering in springtime and then it... Um, you have the berries then for the winter at this time of year. And birds will actually often nest in a pyracantha hedge. So that's quite nice as well. And the common different varieties of berries, so you can mix mix the varieties. So you have orange glow, which is an orange variety, yellow varieties and red varieties that you can mix together in terms of the, the berry colour. Um, so they would be two, two really good ones. Um, other evergreen hedges, you've got this prunus etna, which makes it quite a nice hedge. It's in the laurel family, but it's a dwarf variety. So it's perfect up to five, six feet feet and produces white flowers in springtime as well. So Burbis Darwinii, Pericantha makes a lovely evergreen hedge or the um, Laurel Edna. Is, they're three good good choices. Good options. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, so lots of questions on lilies today for some reason. I don't know, maybe just sparked some interest. Spark yeah. something off. Somebody wants to know about rhubarb. Uh, can I still plant rhubarb? Any special tips or garden no, great. It's a great time to plant it. It's a great time to divide rhubarb. So if people have it in their own garden and they want to multiply it, then this is a really good time to dig it up and literally split it up and, and replant it into other areas of the garden or give it away to, to family and friends. And that helps to rejuvenate the plant and kind of kickstart it off again. So rhubarb does b- benefit from being from division every four or five years and plant into new areas. Um, having said that, it's a great time of year for planting rhubarb. So you'll get in pots in your local garden centre um, three good varieties one called Champagne which is a, a nice sweet red stick rhubarb Timberly Early which is the first one which is generally ready at the end of February early March and it's a good v- variety for forcing so if you have it in, the, in your garden you can cover it with a pot in December and it will actually uh, grow about a month earlier and um, Victoria is a late variety so look for those any of those three are brilliant and you can plant all three if you want and you'll have rhubarb coming from literally February right through until uh, the end of April Lovely Now I got a veggie pod from you at Bloom this year yeah. and the kids just love it and we use it all summer long We want to know now uh, we'd like to replant it with winter veg okay. so do I change the compost and what seeds and plants can well, I plant now? The, the, there's a foot of compost in the veggie pod so you only need to change maybe three to four inches of the very very top of the compost so one bag if you scrape off that put it on your on your garden and then put a, a fresh bag of compost on would be a good idea so this time of year you can plant the Japanese onion sets you can plant a whole range of hardy herbs like rosemary sage thyme all the ones you're going to use chives would be perfect at this time of year um, all the hardy varieties they, they again would be available as plants in your local garden centre and you'll also get winter lettuce uh, winter cabbage things like uh, Swiss chard uh, you can sow the seeds of things like the Sutton's, um, the Speedy Veg. They'll germinate in the uh, veggie pod within two to three weeks and you'll be cutting them certainly within six weeks from then. Um, so any of the winter hardy, so any of the lettuce varieties that are winter hardy, uh, as I say, the Swiss chard is really good. Spinach would be excellent as well. Winter cabbage, Japanese onion sets, garlic could be planted in the veggie pod now. And you could also use the veggie pod for taking cuttings of small plants. So if you want to propagate your own plants, uh, it would be a perfect environment as well yeah. for it. Could you take your rose cuttings? You and could do if that. you wanted. Yeah, if you wanted, you could take. Uh, you could take. You know, again, pencil ends, pencil thickness, but you can use it for all shrubs like fuchsias or hebes or potentillas or hypericums, all the common garden shrubs, hydrangeas. 
it's a brilliant unit for, for um, propagating a wide range of plants because you've got that perfect in my environment for the, it. The microclimate. Yeah. Now, when to put on winter wash, please, on my apple and plum trees? Uh, also, roses and what seeds and plants can I plant now? We'll come to the maybe the apple tree question first because another person has a similar question or just wondering about pruning back apple trees. Uh, had a big crop in 2018, but none this year, only okay. a lot of growth on the branches this past. And that, that often happens. We I often advise, particularly in June time, apples go through a, a natural process of aborting some of the fruitlets in June. We call it the June drop. But you should do a further thinning, particularly if apples produce a heavy crop. It's a good idea in June to stop it producing really heavy crops because it tends to skip fruiting the following year so where trees produce an abundance of fruit the following year you can often get lots of vegetative growth at the expense of flower and, and fruit and um, so the thinning process stops that having said that the tree obviously has responded to it's producing lots of new growth which is good and that growth should be shortened back now by two-thirds so if it, it has made three foot of growth which it should have shorten those back by at least two feet um, to an outer facing bud and once they drop their leaves in November put the winter wash on and the winter wash really just cleanses the tree it's like a disinfectant on the apple tree it gets rid of any overwintering bugs or eggs or and it really cleanses the tree. So that's applied once the leaves fall in November. So pruning can occur now. Once the leaves have gone off it, apply your winter, winter wash. wash. And the pruning can be done over the next couple of weeks. There's no yeah. urgency just now. You can, anytime through October, November is a good time to prune, prune uh, apples, uh, blackcurrants, all the gooseberries, all of those type of plants. Now, um, should I cut down my fennel now and can I divide and move Eupatorium now? Eupatorium, yeah, which is a herbaceous plant, lovely pink flowers, um, grass-like foliage, so, so it's quite an easy plant to grow, a bit like an agapanthus, okay. the foliage on it. Um, and it goes a lovely bronzy colour now as we come into winter. But now would be a good time. Most herbaceous plants you can actually divide this time of year so we mentioned the hostas last mm -hmm. week um, so the the eupatoria could be divided now as well agapanthus could be divided now asters all of those as they're going out of flower trim them back dig them up split them with a sharp spade or an axe and and divide them and spread them into other parts of the garden Obviously, the, and the fennel. Oh, the fennel, yeah. yeah fennel. Well, fennel is a perennial, um, and and the lovely it produces this lovely kind of asparagus-like foliage, yeah. um, really nice plant. So normally you tidy it back once the frost. The frost will burn it back anyway once we get a bit of heavy frost. So if you want, you can trim it now. It tends to self-seed, so it is a good idea to stop it from producing too much seed because you'll find fennel popping up in all parts of the garden. So you kind of have the bulb on the bottom, the, isn't that yeah. it? And then you kind of have the leafy parts. You have the yeah, and it can grow anything up depending on the variety. There's lovely bronze fennel that will grow up to five feet, oh, six really? feet. Oh, yeah, okay. it's quite a tall plant uh, and a beautiful foliage plant. So if you never used it for the fennel bulb, mm. it makes a very architectural plant in a herbaceous border and gives a lovely backdrop. And it's quite a nice plant to cut because it's got that lovely licorice smell it from has, the yeah, foliage. Yeah, a little bit of aniseed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, now it's, it's so mild that it's actually still growing. So if you want, you can trim it back now and tidy it up or else leave it until the frost can it burns it back a little bit and then tidy it back. It is herba herbaceous, it does die back and do watch in the springtime because you tend to get fennel peeping up in other parts of the garden if you allow the, the seed, seed to fall. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Good advice. Um, and in general this is a good time of year for kind of tidying up the garden. So plants that have gone out of flower um, like phlox or lupins or all of those it's a good time of year particularly if we get a couple of dry days on Monday and Tuesday cool dry weather that's perfect weather for kind of tidying up borders and, and pruning bits and pieces back.
Okay, super duper. Um, now, a couple of questions on daffodils. Uh, somebody wondering uh, if you can rec- would you recommend the large bags of daffodils or the loose ones in store? I need to put in uh, down a large amount. And also wondering what is the best time to transplant daffodils? Okay, so if you have daffodils in your garden and you want to transplant them, I normally recommend when they go out of flower, we move them in the green. So generally, you know, at the end of April, May sort of period, as they're beginning to die back is an excellent time because you can physically see them and you can dig them up, separate them and transplant them and they die back into the soil and re-emerge in the spring. Having said that, if you know where they are, they're obviously not going to be visible, but if you know the spots where your daffodils are, you can lift them now. Remember what I said at the start of the programme, there will be a mass of white roots on them. So just be careful you're not damaging any of the roots. Mm. or you, You'll damage a little bit, but as long as you're not doing too much damage on them, lift them, split them and then transplant them uh, to other parts of the garden. And that can be done at this time of year or through November. They're still relatively dormant and they'll transplant no problem at all. Remember to put them back down at the same depth as you, you you lift them from. So generally bulbs like to be planted twice their own depth. So if the bulbs are two or three inches in, in height, you want to put them down six, six inches, inches deep. Okay. Yeah, But an excellent time through November to transplant them. And uh, the t- in terms of oh, the sorry, volume? In terms of the yeah. volume, well again, when you're planting daffodils, in, particularly if you're naturalising, the old thing was just to open up the bag and throw the bulbs and literally plant them wherever they, yeah. they land it. But they look really well in drifts or planted in clusters of sevens or nines, that sort of number. Um, so generally the big bags are the way to go and that's the way to get them. Um, you, they're offered loose as well. You know, you can just take as many as you require. But like three or four hundred bulbs sounds a lot, but it actually won't plant a huge area right. of daffodils, particularly if you're naturalising them. So because you're putting them in clusters of nines or twelves or fifteens. So you use up quite a, a, a number lot. of bulbs. Yeah. And generally in those packs there's there's two or three hundred bulbs anyway. Okay, super. Um I've planted some coloured heather in some old boots. Okay. <laughs> Very good novel. Right. Will the colours grow out or is it natural? Well, first of all, you've got at this time of year, um, the in Holland, a big trend is to actually spray heathers with paint. Right. <laughs> we call them the painted heathers. The paint. So if you see a blue, a blue heather or a, or a pink. an orange heather right. or a pink, well, pinks would be a natural colour for heather, but they're often uh, shades of green or yellows. Um, uh, psychedelic colours uh, okay. you know, are, are, are uh, bordering on kind of really dark blues and they're what we call sprayed heathers and they're literally what they do in Holland they spray them with a it's effectively a plant paint it's safe to the plant but it colours the foliage and over over time that can weather by next spring that colour will have disappeared from the plant. The plant will grow naturally uh, fine, you know, but it'll have white flowers <laughs> the following or year. Pink. Or pink. or whatever variety is. Generally, heathers, mo- mo- most varieties of heathers that flower through the winter are either shades of white, like white perfection. Kramer's red is a lovely deep pink. It's a, re- a very, very good variety, Kramer's red. It grows a little bit taller than others. It's quite vigorous, but great ground cover. And it flowers from now until April of next year. Another lower, uh, lower variety, but Bright red is one called Merton Ruby, which is really nice. Merton Ruby, look for that one. Vivillii is a lovely shade of, of pink. And Fox Hollow is a yellow foliaged heather with pink flowers. And if you mix those plants together, again, when you're planting heathers, plant them in groups of the same colour. So again, that carpet effect, underplant them with spring bulbs and let the, the clusters fill in together. So you would plant five or six of Kramer's Red, five or six of Merton Ruby, five or six of, of Springwood White, just you know, our white perfection and um, 
underplanting them with varieties like uh, February Gold or Jetfire in the Narcissi family just to give it a splash of colour. So they will maintain their colour and there will and be those no varieties, need for painted ones. Exactly. Those varieties that I mentioned are true varieties and will, will retain the colour. Okay. If you're putting them into old boots or, or pots or containers, just make sure there's drainage, that they're not okay, going to be sitting in kind of a soggy compost. Um, so as long as that's... Uh, Don, you Done. should be good. They'll be perfectly happy. <laughs> now, um, wondering about planting a grave poric would like to have colour all year round, if possible. Um, so I suppose we're looking at low maintenance. Isn't low that ma- well, yeah, and and like the the winter heathers do really well because they flower yeah. until April, and you've got the foliage colour all year round. Um, you know, some of the alpine plants work well on graves. What what people generally use at this time of year is a little bit of the winter colour. Some of the dwarf bulbs will work really well on graves as well, like the jetfire, February gold. They'd be they'd be excellent. Crow would work really well. Um, the cyclamen that I that I mentioned, the the primroses, the winter heathers, they're quite tough and hardy um, because generally heathers are uh, the grey very sometimes can be a little bit yeah. open to the wind. Um, you know, shrubs and that tend just to grow too big. You're constantly trimming them back, so you're better off with alpine plants or some bedding plants that will give it a colour, or something like the heathers that you get year-round colour from. Okay, just one or two more, I'm afraid. Um, what can I do with a Dallas lily that never flowers? It's three years old. Well, well the Dallas lilies are, are actually a, um, a aquatic plant, a water plant. It's a water lily. Um, so generally speaking, depending on the age of the plant that you buy it at, it lilies, water lilies take a number of years to flower and um, it may need repotting so if it's in the same pot for three or four years I would take it out of the pot get some aquatic compost and repot it into a larger pot and put it back into the um, into the pond. Feeding it then in springtime you can get a specific feed for aquatic lilies as well. So give it a feed repot it and that should kick it back into flower again. Okay and last question of the morning how can I ripen strawberries uh, inside? They're still on a few plants. Oh it's very late isn't it? Fair crop of strawberries yeah. Um, So how do you ripen them? The the easiest thing and for most fruiting plants they're not going to ripen out of doors or in the greenhouses now so take them inside put them on a warm windowsill put them close to a banana because the ethylene gas given off banana helps to ripen other fruits. So if you've got green tomatoes, for example, or green peppers in the greenhouse, take them in now, put them into a brown paper bag, a little bit of of banana in with them, and that'll help to ripen them within a couple of weeks. Okay, brilliant. We're going to have to leave it there, I'm afraid. So So if people are in Westport, drop into Skullpodrick any time from 11.30 on. I'm speaking at 1.30, and it's really about getting your garden buzzing for next year. That's my topic. (laughs) That's your topic. That's my topic. Okay, well, I'd say lots to look forward to there. Uh, and we know that we'll hear about that on the programme next, next week. week. Thanks Absolutely. to Deep Warwick uh, for all of the information and advice and to all of you for listening as well. Apologies if we didn't quite get to your question this morning. Back again next week. Until then, good morning to you.